I'm a thief and a shit kicker, and uh, I'd like to be thanked. I thought it was turkey. I swear to God. Fucking ass. Fuck it. I really am happy for you all. I only wish that my day was as happy as yours. Yo, that's your problem. Fuck you. They want us to put it in their body. Why? Just threw your dog out the window, and I, I thought it would help, but I was wrong. I was dead wrong. I would be the first person to admit it. Never have I encountered such a morally bankrupt group of people. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to take along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise at the end of each episode along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon. Do it! (laughs) Do it! (laughs) We decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover patreon subscribers also get an honor shout out and two bonus episodes every single month which we have been doing for over a year so if you haven't made the jump yet we have lots of bonus episodes so many backlogged waiting for you uh speaking of which we do have two new patrons this week and they are god bless you cody bender thanks for joining us as well as max welch hope you guys are enjoying all those bonus episodes thanks for being with us we appreciate it also we are on every podcast listener of choice, as far as I'm aware. Oh, no yeah. one has yelled at me still yet for yeah. not being on one. So if we're on there, go. F- we should be there. Go find yeah, us. We absolutely uh, should be. But if, you're, uh, if you've are if you been listening to the show, you've been liking the show, and you're listening on iTunes, go give us a good old rating and review over on iTunes. Helps us find new listeners, and we appreciate that as well. Very much. Those are your plugs for the week. I am your host, as always, Josh Lewis. And joining me also, Is as always. Jamie. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Jamie. Just Jamie. <laughs> Just Jamie. Jamie yeah. Miller. We got it. I keep it secret around here. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to another episode. We are back talking sleazy movies once again. Uh, two weeks ago, I think, would have been the last time you guys would have heard from us. And we would have had my good friend uh, Mitch Vischer on yeah. to talk for the first time, uh, I guess, intentional comedy films. Yeah, yeah. Because we've talked movies that are funny, but I think this is the first time we straight up took on comedy exploitation films, uh, and we took a look at uh, Troma Entertainment. We did the Toxic Avenger 1984, a sort of like pulp superhero parody. Very aggressive slash, parody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like full-blown grindhouse movie, 12-year-olds getting their skulls crushed in <laughs> yeah. by teenagers, because that's what they do on the weekends. Absolute insanity. And we also did Trey Parker, uh, Trey Parker's Cannibal, the musical from 1990. Three, the Alf- yeah. <laughs> which was Colorado cool. legend Alfred Packer cannibal musical story, which was shot on video, which was a lot of fun. Very also, cool the to second see time, Trey Parker's like kind of origin too, where oh, he was yeah. kind of started. Well, and right after we also did a shot on video horror, we did a second. So it's been interesting. We've do, been doing yeah. a lot of shot on video lately, and uh, spoiler alert: we're about to hit a little bit more again today. <laughs> yeah. Um, but last week, patrons, you guys would have had your bonus episode, and that would have seen Jamie and I talking about The Matrix, oh, 1999. Yes. And The Matrix Reloaded 2003, uh, Lily and Lana Wachowski. Ma- Jamie and I had the chance to see both of those films on 35mm film, so we couldn't pass up an amazing talking experience. about that. Yeah, we saw it with My a big God. crowd, over over 150 people, and everyone was going nuts as if we were all watching it for the first time. Yeah. So uh, if you want to hear that episode again, patreon.com slash podcast. That was last week's episode. But this week, as always, we have brought with us 
a special guest, a uh, film critic, film programmer, film festival goer. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and a colleague of, of mine, someone I've been wanting to have on the show for a while, we have CJ Prince. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. How are you doing, CJ? Yes. I'm doing okay. How are you two? <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, we're doing all right. We're ready back to at talk it. some crazy films here. Yeah. Now, uh, CJ, as this show goes, we ask the guests to bring two films with them. Uh, so, what two films have you brought with you, and why do they pair together? Well, all right. So, I, you know, you, you came to me a while ago and, and brought up the idea of having me on, and I was really trying to think of two double, like two films that would go together, and. I decided to go with a kind of examples of very transgressive comedies, one of which is really formative to me. The other one is more of a recent discovery, but is extremely in my wheelhouse, extremely my shit, as one would say. But it's 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 more so like uh, I just I was really into the idea of like pairing these two films together because um Seeing, well, I should say the films, the first one um, going chronologically, although this is the one I saw later, was uh, John Waters' Female Trouble from 1974. And the second one is the Stella Shorts 1998-2002 compilation uh, by David Way, Michael Showalter, and Michael Ian Black. So I wanted to go with uh, the, the Stella Shorts I saw back when I was in high school, and they were, it was really formative for me. Um, and basically these two films have a spirit with comedy that's very, um, lackadaisical, very ramshackle, like who cares? It's very roughshod. Um, and yet they both work extremely well. Um, so I felt like this would have been a good pairing for comedies that are both very absurdist, very transgressive, very offensive, but also extremely funny. Oh, absolutely. I think that's. That's as good as any introduction as we can ask for. So I think oh, yeah. we're just going to jump right into it. Today we are going to start with uh, Female Trouble. Let's do it. Let's dive into <laughs> some John Waters. <laughs> You'll follow Divine's life of sex and crime from its tawdry beginning to its very end. Share the tears and laughter with Divine, Edith Massey as Aunt Ida, and the Pink Flamingos Gang, a new high in low taste. John Waters' Female Trouble. She had a lot of problems. Coming soon from Saliva Films. All right, we are talking Female Trouble, the uh, 1974 extremely dark comedy film <laughs> co-composed filmed co-edited written produced and directed all entirely by john waters and also starring uh i guess his 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 muse but also one of his co-collaborators uh drag queen divine uh also david uh david lockery i believe uh is his name who actually passed away just shortly after the making of this film and wasn't allowed wasn't able to do any more uh, but also Edith Massey, Mink Stoll, um, the, the the single and only credit for one Michael Potter, who I wish he did more stuff because he's so funny in this. Which one was Michael Potter? Uh, uh, Gator. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but largely, it follows the life and times of one young rebellious woman named Don Davenport, uh, showing her progression from uh, early 1960s uh, student as a sort of like bratty schoolgirl to eventually in the <laughs> mid to late seventies, a uh, crazed serial killer. Yep. 
Uh, all, all of which, uh, according to this, uh, <laughs> this summary, stems from her parents' refusal to buy her cha-cha-cha heels for Christmas, or cha-cha heels. Yep, and that's exactly how the scene goes. That's exactly how the scene <laughs> yep. goes. So, yes, not happy this movie is slippers. exactly as absurd as that sounds for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, but uh, that summary really doesn't get also into how absurd this also is in the details. Um, I think that uh, for, for me, I absolutely uh, got to say I, I, I love this film. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of John Waters. I'd only seen Hairspray previously to this. And I thought Hairspray was was actually uh, had some bleak comedy in the peripheries of it that kind of shocked me a little bit, uh, yeah. including a character that John Waters actually plays in that film. Uh, it didn't actually pre- prepare me for John Waters' sensibilities himself. Um <laughs> Yeah, I was not prepared at all. I, I gotta say, which I, which I gotta say is is some sort of like uh, CJ's already mentioned uh, tra- transgressive, but it's it, it's a sense of shock humor that's also mining like kind of you know like a like almost like a fifties culture and style, but incorporating like a a broad range of people, styles, designs, and everything to uh, try and almost mock normalcy and melodrama and and art and it is a full uh like shocking exploitation film through and through which i was not expecting when i turned it on despite the fact that i was uh aware of pink flamingos and and divine and some of the history of this on, this movie honestly shocked me more than the hardcore porn that we watched i know that oh, sa- widow, widow sound Blue. crazy yeah. but <laughs> I, I was the whole time i was watching this movie i mean i gotta i gotta be honest i wasn't laughing a lot uh, for, throughout most of it, I I was just kind of shocked you, you at the shocked. whole thing, and at times kind of disturbed by it. <laughs> and in that regard, I do respect the hell out of it for that. Um, but if I do stay a little quieter than normal, it's just because I'm trying to get on your guys' wavelength here, and it's just because you I didn't don't have think quite it, that same reaction. Yeah, and I just I don't know if I <laughs> if I if I'm just not getting it as much mm. or if it's just like, is that the shock is kind of the joke in which you're so uncomfortable think, that you're, you have to laugh that kind of thing. I think we'll get into largely some of the more styles, like stylish choices that, that he makes here, which definitely shock and disruption is a huge part of what he's going for. Absolutely. Um, but also I, I got to confess, I laughed a lot during this movie. Okay. Um, okay. So, like, my, my reaction, half of my notes here are just, like, single line deliveries from, from this film and moments that are just so absurd and that John Waters takes so seriously that he ends up crafting almost an entire universe around them in ways that I really didn't expect. Even just simple lines where the girl stands up and early in the scene in the in the, in the schoolhouse when he's trying to gauge this idea of kind of like a, a bit of like a, a, a school status quo kind of deal. Mm. And the, the, the girl rats on her is like, Don Davenport's eating a meatball sandwich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, but she, she swears she wasn't eating it. That was no, the thing. She's like, like, I'm not eating it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like really early on, I could just kind of see that he was, he was clearly trying to move from what feels kind of like a a sentimental kind of like old Hollywood kind of politeness. And he was trying to create something that seemed sort of like shocking and, and, and new and, and challenging both in content and in style, 
you know, uh, eventually we get into ideas of depictions of, of, of beauty of, uh, at one point we, we get into the media a little bit. I was, I was actually yeah, quite shocked by the time we get to the end. For this, yeah. yeah. And we end up talking about celebrity. We end up talking about all kinds of things, but, but, but for the most part, this just felt to me like a symbol of kind of like defiant outsider art. It's like a, a giant middle finger, you think? Kind uh, of. Sort of, but also, uh, it's, it's funny, CJ actually said that, we didn't mean to, but somehow we teed this episode up perfectly, because when we had Steve Carlson on, we talked specifically about the cinema of the transgression, okay, yeah, uh, which right. was that movement where the where we talked about Red Spirit Lake, where all of <laughs> yeah. these guys, they, you know, they wanted to re- reject kind of what they felt was kind of like the snobbery of, of, of film school and that kind of style and these kinds of things they didn't yeah. feel that they didn't feel that those styles had much of a vision for you know these people who felt like they were outsiders they didn't belong in that system so and and part of that movement was Richard Kern who was literally in Red Spirit Lake yeah. and John Waters is also uh here a little bit part of that movement where he's kind of like taking uh 50 almost like 50s iconography and style and instead he's he's making he, he's he's challenging it in a stylistically in a way and for me, it kind of felt like he was showing you like real deal outsiders who and characters who would have no place in like the movies that he was studying and the movies that he liked. So he made a movie for them where they ju- and, and after a while, what it feel, felt like to me is that <laughs> they just kind of took over the movie. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that their their performances, their sensibilities, their cinematic craziness just eventually like hijacked the picture from him. Um, so that's kind of what uh, it felt like to me. It's, I would, I would say, I mean, to kind of, I guess, explain at least my feelings towards it. Cause I first saw this maybe about three or four years ago. I, I, well, I mean, for full disclosure, I was literally on a, a, a first date with someone and we didn't know what to do. And he was like, come back to my place and we'll watch movies. Cause we had no idea what to do. And he put on female trouble and showgirls. So oh like God. Yeah. <laughs> that's a so, hell of a first date. Holy yeah. Shit. So we're, we're, we're actually really good friends now, but um, it didn't work out <laughs> date wise, but we're, we're good friends. So, uh, but no, it, um, so I was watching it and I, I remember, um, I mean, the two things I remember was like, I mean, I laughed like hysterically at the movie and a lot of it, I just watched an amazing of like, you know, I, I know I'm watching a great comedy, but I'm not necessarily laughing. I'm just kind of like in awe of how, well done or well pulled off it is and in this one i think it's it's and this i guess ties into something i've thought about recently because i i i you know i've since watching this i watched pink flamingos and i just recently watched multiple maniacs uh his two films before this and i was thinking you know well, what is it about john waters that you know like john waters is extremely politically incorrect extremely you know problematic as a buzz as one to say and yeah i know people who you know are they would, you know, trash anything like that. Yet they love his his works, and I think it's because, and the appeal of it for me is, he is really just targeting, um, like the societal norms and just standards of decency and standards of good taste. That's really his target. So everything that he's doing, which is obviously like upsetting and 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 so politically incorrect, and just you know he's throwing around so many terms and just images that are extremely offensive. Yeah. Um, it's all in service of of targeting really the majority, like the perceived norm uh, and going. It's like you said, it's outsider art. So for me, it's extremely funny in how uh, 
blatant it is and just it's just straight up like you know there's stuff that obviously we even we can't you know say or quote or anything <laughs> yeah. now i mean but like it's and it and it just works in that sense so it's really it's just like hilarious in that regard and also because he builds this world where you know everyone feels so lived in and they're just so wallowed in their own filth and 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 a squalor let's say and and they're reveling in it and they love it and they celebrate it and that's who they are that um you kind of it just it just really works for me in that sense you know like so if it has this kind of it's it's grounded in its own very weird way which kind of makes it all the more funny because you have to because obviously it's just this um i guess inherent contradiction to almost everything we all hold to be proper or decent or good <laughs> or the things that that hold us off from being like crazed maniacs in society so i mean for me that was why i found this thing so funny i mean that and then also i think um I mean, I also just want to throw out there that I think uh, uh, Mink Stole is just like incredible in this movie. That was my main thing watching this. I was like, Mink Stole, who plays Taffy, um, <laughs> yeah. Don's daughter, is like mind-blowingly good. And I did not expect to see a performance that great out of a film like this, which is just so, you know, like trashy and just kind of poorly made. Like, you know, Waters is just like shooting scenes in these long takes and the camera's kind of plunked down because it really feels like it would just take too much time or cost too much to try and do like a standard shot reverse shot setup. So he's just kind of like putting the camera down. Everyone just says your lines and let's get it over with. Yeah. Well, and he tries um, to make up for that a little bit with kind of like the actual sets themselves, which part of quite say, a few of them are of the his most own colorful apartment. films that we've really watched. There's so many like reds and pinks and yellows <laughs> and all that. Well, yeah, it's, it's got that kind of like that, that pastel shading to it, yeah. but it's all, but also but then the, with the, all of this like disgusting the shit happening around work, it, And then like, also the way that he like crudely kind of like uses Baltimore yeah. also locations at the same time, uh, <laughs> which, which from what I understand, uh, he had to make this in Baltimore because he was kicked out of New York University for smoking weed. Oh, really? <laughs> That's true. John Waters. <laughs> yeah. So he went he went back to Baltimore and he's like, I guess I'm going to make movies here. Uh, but it ended up working really, really well because he gets a lot of these great these great locations that just make everything feel a little, uh, you know, just as kind of like dilapidated and disheveled as some of his characters end up being. Yeah. Um, and also to combine that with just like these, <laughs> these like really garish, uh, uh, kind of sometimes couches and sets. And, and yeah. I, I love the, the, the hairstylist place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, very, very old school looking in tons of colors. And, uh, and then again, to have a performance at the center of it as animated as, as, as divine, um, uh, does a, does a lot for it as as well. I mean, I I couldn't I couldn't take my eyes off Divine when she was like just going crazy, and I'm talking before she even like Starts literally goes eyeliner. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When she injects eyeliner, oh my god! Like I like again, half of this could just be us talking about individual jokes in this. I love the one where she just gives birth to her child. Uh, and and bites the umbilical cord off herself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just talked about like it's alive, where they talked about how the baby chewed through the umbilical cord, and John <laughs> Waters doesn't even have the taste to not show it. They came yeah. out in the same year, I think, nineteen seventy four. Yeah, yeah, and, they did. And uh, uh, n- not even uh, Larry Cohen would show it. And here's John Waters <laughs> just being like, "What if well, like, we know how out there Cohen? <laughs> what will if get Divine too. just bit her own umbilical yeah. cord off?" 
Yeah, and we've seen Cohen do some extremely weird and crazy things, and and John Waters is like, oh, I'll take it a step further. Yeah, not to mention she has forest sex on a greasy mattress with herself, with herself. Play, yeah. playing yeah. Earl the Steelworker, uh, with uh, who's having sex with like giant skid marks that you can see on his oh, underwear. God. Yeah, it's so just, disgusting. They have just, to add the smallest little details to just, just make it that keep much making worth. it that yeah, much worse. Just so exactly. much worse. Yeah, they're like, are you already uncomfortable? Well, just, here's a little sprinkle of more disgust. Yeah, you're already <laughs> upset by the fact of this, like, incest rape scene that's about to happen? Yeah. Well, what if one of them just vomited everywhere? Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. John I, Waters, I, I, think, I think I read somewhere that apparently John Waters actually waited to finish the film until someone he knew gave birth to a baby so he could film that birth scene and have Divine shoot like, you know, for, like, they could have, like, a birth scene and use an actual baby. So he just had waited. There was someone he knew who was pregnant. So he just waited for them to give birth and was like, I want to use your baby in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> that poor baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I also really Dirt's like the, the structure of this, how he breaks it down into like these two different phases, all these different phases of divine. Um, uh, yeah. Like the chrono, like just chronicling her life yeah go, going from like rebellious schoolgirl who's like i just want to burn the school down and then she goes actually i should be the teacher because i would teach all these people better and yeah. and things like this and then uh obviously she doesn't get her cha-cha heels for for christmas which was just uh i, was, I, I was like cackling <laughs> i was cackling when the mom is crushed by the christmas tree being like not on christmas yeah. <laughs> not on, just because she didn't get cha-cha heels so she goes hitchhiking she gets pregnant she ends up having a kid and some of the best scenes are between her and her daughter, who she names Taffy. <laughs> and she's like, Taffy, never jump rope within 10 feet of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, she's out of control. Yeah, she's girl. not sending her daughter to school because there's no reason to know about presidents, wars, numbers, or science, she says. Um, she she starts being a criminal with some of with some of her friends. I can't remember her friends' names, but they basically just go around uh, robbing people's homes, stealing TVs, and selling them for ten dollars yeah. because they just need ten dollars to get through the next day, kind of deal. <laughs> and one great scene uh, is when uh, Taffy starts like acting up in front of them. And they're just like, come on over to your aunt. And Taffy just starts like biting them. And she's like, she's biting me, this goddamn little shit. And they like take the daughter upstairs. They lock her in the attic, handcuff her to her tiny little bed. Uh, and Divide is just so exacerbated, uh, or sorry, uh, not exacerbated, exa exasperated <laughs> words. Um, and she gives a genuinely like good performance being like being a mother is so hard. She, but she's <laughs> like, I've done everything a mother can do. I've locked her in her room. I beat I've her with a car her, aerial. Yeah. What else is there to do? Specifically with a car aerial though, which was a detail I noticed. And then she actually references it. Cause she, when she beats the little child with just like the little ripped off car aerial, I was like, yeah. she doesn't have a car. She must've just stolen that to beat her daughter. <laughs> just with. add another layer of how shitty it all is. Oh my God. And there's all these strange correct characters on the periphery in the neighborhood like uh, Gator the hairstylist of course uh, and uh, his aunt Ida who is introduced as a very large woman in a tight leather S&M outfit which apparently needed three crew members to actually like 
get her in. Really? <laughs> according to John Waters. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, but I lost it. Uh, I don't know what it was about. I think it was the fact that Michael Potter couldn't act. So every yeah. single time his line delivery was just complete deadpan. Yeah. John Waters must have like noticed this while he was filming it. Cause like there was no, he had no other it's way of saying It's literally that tone when you're looking at a bad actor, like just in, you know, the odd student film yeah, that but, we've but, seen but he, here and there. You're like, Oh, that guy. He's getting these lines that should be animated. Like Aunt yeah. Ida in the S and M outfit, like dancing around. And he's like, yeah, woo. You go, Aunt Ida. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you go, Aunt it's Ida. It's like he knows kind of the emotion he's going to go for, but he just can't quite sell it. He doesn't really believe it at well, all. Well, there's the other one where he's like, uh, I'm going to Detroit it to go work in the auto industry. <laughs> I have to I have to put it also, like, he has the most Baltimore accent imaginable, <laughs> which I love. Yeah. Like, it's so, it's so thick. I just, I, I was remember watching, I was just like, I haven't heard a Baltimore accent. Like, I've heard Baltimore accents. I remember uh, uh, Kathy Bates did some role where she was doing a Baltimore accent. Everyone was like, what the hell is this? They just thought she was making up a weird voice. And it's like, no, it's a real accent. Like, watch this movie <laughs> and hear people from Baltimore speaking. I've never heard one that thick, but I mean, I, I have to say also like Edith Massey who plays aunt, aunt Ida. And she's like such a terrible actor yet such like an immensely compelling presence. Yeah. Um, I don't want to sound insulting when I say kind of in like a train wreck way, because I don't mean to be like rude or negative, but it is kind of in that way. Like she's just so bad at delivery lines and stuff, but yet you just can't, I like, I literally can't, look away from her it's somewhere in pink flamingos but yeah and i think the difference between her and uh the guy that's playing gator is like she even though you know she's not the best actress she's still like going for it you know like she at least believes in what she's saying whereas gator kind of seems to be questioning himself his entire performance whereas she's just going she's like i'm in this leather suit and i'm giving it well and and it seems like john waters kind of surrounds himself just uh with personalities yeah that's kind of his thing yeah and it kind of seems like he chose a lot of his actors just based on the fact that they they have unique looks they have unique uh you know again I, i felt that these were people who would not star in movies ever and john waters right, felt absolutely. like like his project was to make was a to movie make- that people like that could be in yeah. um and i actually found that uh strangely compelling i was like i'm watching something that n- would never have gotten made yeah i never i never really thought of it that way but that does make me yeah. like it a little more to be honest too just in that regard because that adds to the element I, I think, of I him think he's making just shining this- light on people who wouldn't that he feels like movies would never look at that, uh, yeah. that, that no camera that these are these none of these people are traditionally good looking in any <laughs> it goes sense, to right? make a movie that so, no one would probably want to look at no exactly you know, exactly. outside these circles exactly i kind of <laughs> and i i, I kind of find that contradiction fascinating especially as we develop later into this uh story because the actual story itself once it makes itself clear probably it takes about half the movie to get there yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um it, it it's divine who uh sort of uh, falls 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 in love and marries gator and they have such a strange uh, ma- marriage life. Yeah. Uh, it's but Gator, Gator, is, Gator a, is, is a hairstylist at the, uh, I think it's called Lipstick Hairdressers or Lipstick Beauty Salon, I think is what it's called. And uh, it's owned by the, I'm going to call them the Dons. It's yeah. Donald and Donna. <laughs> Dash- the Dashers. The Dashers. The most like, eccentric couple I've John ever Waters seen. John Waters always life. has alliteration with his name. So it's Don Davenport. Donna Dasher, Dave Dasher. So it's always and, and Donald Dasher. I just love that they were both like the both the short forms for their first names were Don. <laughs> so it's Don and Don. Yeah. 
and they they kind of find out that they they themselves, uh, similarly to John Waters, have a proclivity for kind of strange characters and strange people. And I love that bit where they're doing an interview for people to work at the hairstylish. Crap, what are all the hair the hairstylish people's names? They're really funny. It's oh, it's Dribbles, Wink. Gator and a butterfly. Those are the four <laughs> hairdressers who work at the salon. And they have a brief scene where they're interviewing new employees and they're looking at, you know, the, uh, Don Davenport there, Divine is there, obviously. And then there's two other people uh, who are there. And uh, the, one's like, I'm a stripper. And they were like, okay, cool. Uh, we'll come back to you. Uh, the other one's like, I work for the telephone company. And they were like, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, what's wrong with the telephone company? They're like, get out of here. You're disqualified. <laughs> That's too normal for us. Yeah. So they, 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 they want strippers. They want criminals. And yeah. Divine catches their attention immediately because she, uh, uh, Divine uh, playing Don Davenport, she goes up and goes, uh, I'm a thief and a shit kicker and I'd like to be famous. And they were like, That's perfect. That's exactly <laughs> what we're looking for. Uh, and I don't even think they're interviewing for the job. This is just interviewing the customers. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Because yeah. The, because they yeah. want they want to apply. They don't want people. They don't want to be doing the hairs of people who aren't living a sort of uh, grotesquely fashionable, fabulous life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which ends up coming into the story as they end up sort of like hiring uh, Don Davenport to be their muse. Um, in a series of art photographs they want to do of women committing crimes because they... Uh, we all I, know she's great at that, so yeah, perfect I, I, candidate. <laughs> I forget what their what their thesis on that project is, but it has something to do with trash and beauty or something like yeah, that. Crime, it's crime is beauty. That's basically like... the. Right. I think I don't know if that's what they thought, but it's, I, I don't know if... It, I forget if it's what they said or if it's what Dawn kind of adopts, but that's mm-hmm. basically the whole idea, which came from... Um, uh, one of the members of Charles Manson's gang, because John Waters was in communication with them while they were in prison, and that's where he got the idea of crime as beauty from. Right, right. Yeah, beauty and crime, we feel them to be one. <laughs> and the worse the crime gets, the more ravishing you become. <laughs> So that's what they want to capture, and they they sort of like uh, play to Don Davenport's vanity. They kind of like stoke her a little bit in her fame seeking, and they 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 push her and push her and push her into uh, further crimes, basically, including uh, beating her own daughter being abusive. Uh, I love I love the bit where she picks up the chair like a pro wrestler to beat Just her daughter with it. it <laughs> well, and, and right before she smashes her daughter with the chair, they're like, pause, look at the camera. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. then she finishes yeah. the blow. <laughs> yeah. I gotta um, say that out of all the moments, like like I was saying, I was kind of, as I was watching this, I was very kind of just shocked and, and trying to take in what I was watching. But the moments with the once they added kind of this uh, this this longing for fame and how you know eventually it gets to the point where you know she she's you know gonna go to prison. I, we'll get there and everything. It but, warps her reality and how right. she sees the and, world. And, and, yeah. But she you know she thinks that life in prison is the ultimate award because that's I mean she you're, was the, just you're told the best crime Chris, is beauty. Yeah. You're the best criminal you could be if you get that. So it's like you know yeah it's adding to that. <laughs> I think I'm trying to think back like earlier on the film, I'm trying to think of like the best encapsulation of the kind of feelings I have towards it, which I think is when uh, after Don uh, and um, Gator have sex and Taffy walks in on them 
and and Gator, Gator it's like it's my favorite I shouldn't spoil because it's my favorite line in the whole movie and I laugh so hard but it was when uh like Gator just says to Tappy he's like he's like come suck daddy's dick and they just have like a hard close-up of his flaccid penis and it's like and I remember I was just so taken like it's just that line combined with the fact that Taffy's supposed to be 14 year old years old in the film and like that shot it's just so I was just like oh my god that's so just like that's just appalling and then I think she says she's she's like I wouldn't suck your dick if I couldn't breathe and there was oxygen in your balls or something and like that <laughs> yeah, line, line, just, like, so funny and it's just this weird thing of like how he can go from just being so like offensive and then just within like a second can make it just extremely hilarious um, yeah, I, I, I also liked that uh, Gator and Dawn's sex life was uh, completely strange as well. Cause she was like, can, can we just do it normal? And he's just like, uh, no, I'm getting the toolbox out. <laughs> he, yeah. he starts putting a hammer <laughs> on her genitals. And then and then she's like, no, not the hammer. Use the needle nose pliers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling that right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, you so look like you some, were ready to say something. There was something I. Th- it was the the sucking dick thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, there's something I think this is where I, I get confused with the film is because we've had other movies where there's yeah. been offensive things and in certain regards we say like that's probably not the best to have in your film or whatever. Yeah. So I'm what I'm I'm getting confused by is what the difference is between us being offended by something else, say like in Death Wish, than this. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, right. Because like, we were like, we got a three death wish because we don't agree with <laughs> some of the politics that they're doing. But with this, we obviously don't agree with what they're saying here. Well, but, because I, I think... So I'm getting a little confused. I think the difference way. is that John Waters is self-conscious. Okay. I think... I think, okay. I, I think... I, I think, I, I think he that, knows he's making something yes. gross and... He, he's intentionally shocking sensibility. Like, he knows that he's and pushing see, boundaries is, usually, when he's doing it. You know me. I mean, usually that gets to me. Yeah. Like, I can, I can understand that and I see that. But with this one, I was just kind of like... I felt like a lot of it was just me watching really, really <laughs> shitty people do really, really <laughs> terrible things. And there was some humor in that, but at a certain point, I got, like, overwhelmed by mm. it, I think. Yeah, see, the, the difference is is that I would think that a movie like some of the exploitation ones that we've talked about wouldn't necessarily agree all the time that they are handling shitty people. I do sure. think John Waters would agree, and I think that John okay. Waters would call himself shitty. Okay. Yeah. So what I, <laughs> okay. okay. John Waters says, I mean, he, like the one of the famous like quotes of John Waters I know is like when he says, um, you have to have really, really good taste in order to know what bad taste is, <laughs> because you have to kind of be aware of what the boundaries are in order to get past them. Yeah. So it is like, like I said earlier, it, it's really him. I think the difference is if you look at something like Death Wish in which um, you don't, you know, you can't really get a sense of, um, it, 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 it could be, you know, one's personal politics or is at least left to kind of an ambiguity in which it can appeal to certain people's, you know, more like toxic, uh, viewpoints or ideologies or whatever. But John Waters is, I mean, the, the one thing that, that, you know, elevated him from a lot of other people in exploitation, um, or at least with, you know, films and bad taste was that he was extremely, yeah, like Josh said, like extremely self-conscious, extremely aware, extremely intelligent about what he was doing. And he, um, was able to kind of, you know, it, it, I guess it boils down to like his target here is he is just skewering like societal norms and skewering and just attacking what people find people's sense of decency. So because of that, um, these things are offensive, but I mean, he is just being confrontational, um, to kind of get a rise out of people, not necessarily even trolling, because I think there's still a sincerity to it. 
But um, I mean, he just I think he's just a very smart filmmaker who just gets it in terms of how to kind of approach offensive subject matter and all this stuff, but do it in a way that's not necessarily endorsing things to have it kind of removed from it to kind of see the uh, paradox. And I think in a way, just he knows who to target yeah, and well, how to target. I, I was going to say, I, I guess the difference would be sort of like when we were talking about when we did Toxic Avenger and Cannibal the Musical, it would be a case of there's a difference when when some like. I think that John Waters would agree with you that the stuff you found gross was gross. Yeah, Whereas a lot yeah. of the other films we've talked about, I don't necessarily know no, that, those, all of those that they moments, that, that they intended it to be that way or yeah. if they thought that way or it's left ambigu- in, think, ambiguous. I think that this is so far removed from ambiguity that this is ta- this is this is intentionally like like attacking the nerves in your brain to be like this <laughs> is, is <laughs> disgusting. Is it ever and, yeah. and reprehensible in all kinds of different ways. Do you think that that's ways. the but I, I but, but I think John Waters also is like, I'm disgusting. My friends are disgusting. He almost he still has an affinity so for yeah. He just I yeah. think he, I think he has a complicated relationship with it where he's just like mm. a lot of the people that I like and a lot of the people that I hang out with aren't beautiful in the way that yeah. culture and magazines and fashion and movies have told us that things are beautiful. Uh, but he and, sees the beauty. And uh, even if it's surrounded by a little bit of, you know. Uh, yeah, so I, I think he's kind of like just, uh, you know, he, he minds the contradiction of that people are complicated and gross and disgusting, but also that we should we should not avert our eyes from that, that we should look at that, that we <laughs> should we should be interested in that. Yeah. Um, now, I also know that he had um, like he, he had his interest in the, the Charles Manson murders and all that. Do you think him dedicating the film to one of the murderers was just <laughs> part of him kind of going like another like, you know, just to add a little bit to that? Uh, yeah, that, that I can't bit. speak to because actually, that, the, until you brought that up, I actually this, didn't, didn't notice that part. It, yeah, when I was watching <laughs> it, because I, I was like, okay, I think I'm, I'm getting it in a way. It was still very overwhelming. And then I looked it up uh, and, if, and then I saw that it was dedicated to a Charles Manson murderer. And I was kind of like, is that to add on to like the kind of gross, like, you know, whatever? Or he, is that... I, I I was just wondering. He, I don't know. He saw them, I guess, as sort of like outsiders and yeah, freaks in their it. own way. And sure. he, I don't know. What do you think? What What did you make of all that stuff, CJ? <laughs> I can't. I mean, to that, I mean, I haven't looked too much into it. I've heard oh, that okay. he's kind of. I heard that he's kind of expressed some regret over doing that, given oh. like you know. But I mean, like I, I'm not a hundred. I'm not a hundred percent sure yeah. on that. But I mean, um, no. I mean that. Like I said, he. I mean, even in Multiple Maniacs, which is in 1970, he was making um, jokes about Sharon Tate's murder and that. So it was always kind of a topic of that that I think fascinated him. And I know that he was actually having correspondences with uh, Tex Watson, who the film's dedicated to. Yeah. So I, I don't know if they actually met or if he was just doing like a pen pal thing. But that's he, I think part of the dedication was that like the idea for Crime is Beauty and all that came through his correspondences with okay. him. Um, as I, I think probably, I mean, John Waters just probably had a fascination with it, uh, just because, you know, it was a really shocking event at the time. And John Waters was clearly someone who was just contrarian and just wanting to kind of go against, you know, everything. So, um, so, I mean, it's part of the film. I mean, it kind of is with it. It's a film that by design is meant to be as offensive as possible. So to me, <laughs> yes. it's just kind of like something else thrown in the mix. Another You're kind of like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I found interesting about it was that like, he doesn't say it in the movie, I don't think or anything. I no. had to wiki it to find out, but it yeah. was just, it was a fun little add on to the, 
kind of like doing an offensive thing again because I saw the movie, I watched it, and I'm like, that was something. And then I go on Wikipedia, and he's like, by the way, it's all also dedicated to a murderer. So yeah. I was like, damn, John, you're really going for it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, we we, we could uh, talk about its its transition eventually from all these different kind of like crime sprees. That yeah, speaking they, of murders, that, yeah, that, that they go on to the to the point where Don Davenport ends up um, uh, murdering her own daughter. Um, she, she herself gets, uh, disfigured by Aunt Ida because she, uh, uh, she breaks up with Gator, which really pisses off Aunt, Aunt, <laughs> Aunt Ida, and she gets acid thrown in her face. Yeah. Uh, and there's this, like, uh, prosthetic makeup that they put on her to, to show it all. And I gotta say, I loved, absolutely loved the scene where they're unwrapping her face. Oh, because, yeah. <laughs> because they're like, don't, don't, don't even do anything to it. Like, it's just going to be great. Like, it's another form of like this, this sort of destructive disfiguration is, is just even more yeah, beauty. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're opening it up. And the one, the one guy is just like, I can smell flesh. And then the other one's like, it's just like an art opening. Uh, <laughs> as they're slowly like unrolling the bandages off her face. Um, and I mean, th- th- I think it's right after that that they start injecting the liquid eyeliner into her veins. Uh, yeah, th- I really enjoyed that detail. That was a very cool. Yeah, w- thing. W- which apparently they actually did, or they really used a needle on her and stuff. Which apparently what? they had to have a nurse present. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, Probably. Yeah. Well, and then they also had a nurse present for something else. What that did they put? What Dawn, was that? Or that Divine was doing because it was. Um, it might have been the trampolining thing. Uh, because they actually had to get like tr- tr- trampoline uh, lessons on on how to do oh, all yeah. of that stuff. <laughs> that performance had training. <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? Yes. <laughs> Did she really rip the phone book in half? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> that was the most impressive part of the performance. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, it it all kind of c- comes to a fold uh, in 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 the big finale where. Uh, Don Davenport is jumping on the trampoline, putting on this big, big performance on a stage show where she's dancing around. Uh, at one point, she starts uh, uh, giving a gun a blowjob, um, <laughs> which is, you know, funny. It also happens in the Stella shorts. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> in like the first scene. <laughs> uh, uh, the audience just randomly starts all painting lip, uh, using lipstick and painting on their faces. And, uh, she, she starts, uh, Don Davenport just starts yelling all these crimes that she's done, uh, which, which apparently is taken straight from Divine's actual standup routine, uh, apparently that oh, he really? had for a while. Um, and, uh, it, it kind of caps off with who wants to be famous? Who wants to die for art? And the one guy's one like, guy. I do. I Boom. Yeah. He's Shot like, I want to be part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was a great yep. moment. And then she just starts gunning down the entire audience, the cops, cops barge in, and also just start, start shotgunning everyone in the audience as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then uh, I was completely flabbergasted that this turned into, like, briefly a courtroom drama. <laughs> yeah, <for laughs> and Aunt Ida's taken the stand, and at, at this point, um, uh, Don has taken an axe to Aunt Ida's hand, and she now has, like, a claw hand. Yeah. Like, she has a claw hand, and she was trapped inside of, like, a birdcage on a stool for, like, months or something. <laughs> uh, all while going on this crime spree uh, for, for beauty. And everyone's saying all this stuff, uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's vaguely true, except for the fact that the Dons, uh, or the Dashers don't, uh, 
take any responsibility for any of it, basically. But yeah. all of the stuff that they say that she did, she absolutely did. She murdered so many people and did so and and was so violent. Uh, and she was like, "That's not how any of that went." And it's it's just like we watched it go down that way. Like that's just <laughs> yeah. it. Is John Waters doesn't at all shy away from the fact that she transitions into like a full blown like psycho murderer, mass murderer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and even when we see her being like, this is all like taken out of context or whatever. Like, it's just like, it's <laughs> just clearly nuts. Like, just well, it, it, it just shows that I, I think he kind of took us on the journey with her where honestly, the transition didn't seem like that stark. Like for me personally, it didn't seem like she changed a lot from the beginning of the movie to the end of no, the movie. No, Just the actions and surroundings kind of coming. did a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Um, which, which I found really, really fascinating. And then obviously it all again ties into, um, the, the public's reaction to her and that everybody is fascinated. And I think this is what it got, it got a little bit interesting bringing up the Manson thing mm-hmm. is just cause, uh, John Waters also kind of indicts people who give these people fame and are interested in That's them. That's true. Yeah. Um, and how yeah, because that kind of comes with like Divine's character moment where she's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be infamous. I, you know, I, 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 have, I have the highest award that a criminal could possibly achieve. You know, yeah, like this and is that amazing comes from the media giving her that uh, exposure. Yeah, she's literally being executed in the electric chair and she's ecstatic. She's like, this is amazing. This is yeah. this is so great. I fucking and love and, and I don't think John Waters shies away from being like part of that is the fact that media really finds these characters interesting yeah, yeah and fascinating and yeah. and that there there is sort of uh, an, an impetus there to to do it mm-hmm. in some capacity so to t- again I, I i feel like this is such a self-reflexive movie that john waters is is at once reveling and critiquing <laughs> himself his friends uh yeah. and doing it in a way that is very very uh stylish and shocking so i gotta say Maybe as we angle towards the reductive rating round and final statements on this one, yeah, I got I gotta say, like I, I just, I really like this one. I'm like, maybe let CJ get his final word in here first, though. I would say, I mean, I agree. It is a self-reflexive film, but I think it's um, the Dashers are really, to me, like a, a critique of the kind of people who have a, a fascination, a kind of. A, voyeuristic perverse you know interest in, in people like don and people who are on the fringe right because they're people who i mean they're, they're yeah. part of it and they tr- and you know they're part of it at the end of the day they're really you know they, they can't handle the extent of someone like don someone who's more purely just vile and i think um and yet like john waters i think does that in a way in which you can see a film that's about like you know really people who are just on the fringes and all this stuff and John Waters, you know, his films kind of like live and breathe it. Like you can tell, like it doesn't feel, um, observational. Anyway. It just feels like he's as deranged as, as, um, <laughs> everyone has. And he has like sincere, like care and empathy for it. I don't necessarily go too deep into like, I mean, his films are obviously like inherently political and stuff. But I don't go too deep into, um, much of it because I really think at the end of the day he's just trying to kind of like you know just do bad taste and shock and offend and make people yeah. laugh and gross yeah. them out um, which is fine like it works brilliantly in this but uh, I think it, yeah I, I would say like it is interesting as kind of a, a, a him laying down the line of you know people who kind of are you know exploiting this versus you know the people who are you know very genuine and he somehow is able to they are 
Yeah. yeah, he's somehow able to wa- to fall on the other side of it. Most people fall on the exploitative side of it, uh, and yet he somehow you know he makes his films so Looney Tunes that he can you know be on the crazy side, uh, the one who you know lives and breathes it. But I, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's 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 interesting in that sense. I mean, there there there's definitely more to it than just like the shock and gross factor. But I mean, it works on both levels easily. You can find a lot of you know you can find a lot beyond just kind of the, the 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 grosso factor and the shock factor but i mean i just i just remember seeing this and it completely blew me away because it was you know like i didn't it's it's hard to think like maybe because i'm just so like hardened or i think i'm so hardened that you know moving from like 74 would actually be this you know downright shocking like even pink flamingos is like i saw that not too long ago and i was like holy shit like this is really goddamn like crazy um and i would think you know after hearing so much about over the years that it wouldn't it wouldn't live up to his reputation but it does <laughs> this one is lesser known so i or lesser it's not as popular because this came out right after pink flamingos and it didn't get as much of a uh, a I guess popular uh, popular reception, but I mean it's still really shocking, but also just really really goddamn funny. I did find it fascinating that John Waters uh, premiered this uh, in uh, a prison. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, in in Maryland, where the death penalty had actually been banned until the day before he premiered the film. Oh wow! So uh, the 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 day. He premiered the film the day before they had brought the death penalty back. So then everybody watched a criminal get executed just in time for the death penalty to be That's brought That's crazy. <laughs> Not to mention the uh, criminal going out saying, I fucking love you all. I love you all. <laughs> yeah, which is so great. And I, 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 I love some of those jail scenes, too. Just how, like, it's the first time. <laughs> the prisoners, like, absolutely adore Well, and, and, and the prisons are so unfashionable and, and mundane. And, and, you know, yeah. it's, it's so not what Don Davenport has, has been kind of, like, building towards. And, and Don is so just like out of it and like, this is all just one giant show and now I'm the star of it. Yep. Uh, there's one, there's one great line that one of the guards gets coming in where they're hooking up and she's like in a really thick Baltimore accent, like no, uh, popping pussies is a violation of jail rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I gotta say, I I I really really like this, and it, this was this was honestly pretty close to the five for me. It's gonna get the gonna get the four, but I think just as a piece of of shock cinema and and comedy, um, that's just. Uh, but you know, it's it's again, it's it's self conscious in a way that I weirdly didn't find obnoxious a lot of the time i do Mm. find that kind of obnoxious when someone is just being like isn't this so shocking isn't this so wild but i don't know i i found something unique in the style that he's going for here where he is kind of challenging not just norms of society but like of style just filmmaking it's yeah of like you know (laughs) he's looking at kind of like you know, uh, Hollywood filmmaking style. And he's being like, this is polite. This is sentimental. Um, this is what a lot of people consider sort of like normal and beautiful. And he's directly challenging that with his own, you know, scuzzy 16 millimeter style that he's kind of picked up on here. And to also, as I, as I said before, what I really felt ultimately about this film was to take these people on the fridges, real, real deal outsiders and make a movie 
that they could actually star in. Um, you know, people yeah, who really would, who would otherwise never have cameras pointed towards them ever and, you know, make a movie that is just absolutely them through and through because it was made by someone who feels like one of them, someone who is, is part of that community. So, um, in, in, in that sense, I, there was just no way I could look at this almost as like a moral character study, even though John Waters is pushing buttons on that level sometimes. Yeah. Um, it, I, I just felt that he had more interest in sort of just upsetting a, a status quo um, in, in in interesting ways, both stylishly and <laughs> uh, through through characterization. Uh, and the fact that, I mean, this is just this for, for me, this was just like an ab- absolute riot. Every time people were like delivering lines, uh, every time there was like a really, uh, shady detail <laughs> on the fringes of the frame that like, again, God is when I, I couldn't believe like the skid marks thing. Cause like, th- why would you even put that in there? Yeah. It's, it's just, it's why would you do just that? To, just to have, and, and I didn't realize until gross. after I looked it up that divine also played Earl. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so I was just like completely flabbergasted. And we didn't um, even talk about the scene where the daughter goes to the real father and kills him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like he, he he tries to, to rape, rape her. her. He ends up just vomiting everywhere cuz he's then, so drunk. And, and and she stabs him to death with a mayonnaise knife. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right? Just That's a wholesome it family. <laughs> it's just great stuff. Yeah. So yeah, this one's going to get a 4 from me. Nice. Uh and for you Jamie, I'm going to look up a couple more lines I want to get in before we nice, wrap up, nice. so. Um <laughs> I got I'm gonna, so many notes. I'm going to give it the 3 for now. Uh Oh damn. I'm just uh it, it really just threw me for a loop. It, it was it was one of those movies where I was watching it. Yeah, it, it kind of was. I was watching it, and I, I can honestly say I wasn't laughing a lot. Um, I was shocked the majority of the time and was trying to figure out what the joke was. I will say that the conversation has helped me here. Uh, You're right. I really enjoyed uh, your take here when you were saying that he was kind of making a film for people that wouldn't necessarily be able to be in a film or your traditional film, mm-hmm. not to kind of do it yourself, punk rock attitude. I always love, you know, I respect that. This has, this is also my first John Waters movie. And I, <laughs> I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, but would me watching, cause this is a later one of his, right. Or like the third or fourth, wouldn't me uh, watching like King third. Flamingo, the, the maniacs one, would that be Maybe like yeah, something CJ, to, maybe you can to lay the seed, you know, to lay the, the groundwork there. So I'm not like just what the fuck. Does, does watching? watching Pink Flamingo and Multiple Maniacs give you a little bit more context for what he's doing here? Yeah, in a way, yes. Because <laughs> I mean, like it, it's I would honestly say that Female Trouble is the least offensive of those three films. <laughs> you have to like like How Pink Flamingos. Pink Flamingos is like, you know, like the one that made him a sensation. Yeah. Like you have to buckle up for that movie. Like you even know, like everyone knows, you know, the, the, the infamous ending scene of that film yeah. with Divine. And, um, and, and I mean, Multiple Maniacs is even more amateurish, even more like roughshod than, than um, Female Trouble. But I mean, it has, I mean, there's, there's a scene, there's a sequence in, in a church that's just kind of like, it's just mind-blowingly like offensive and and excellent and i mean like so yeah you just have to prepare yourself like i would say that honestly if you go back to i would recommend pink flamingos next but you gotta okay. like like if this if this threw you for a loop like buckle up okay. pink flamingos. well and the thing is i think what does it for me because i mean we've we watched plenty of crazy shit on the show i like crazy shit i'm not the guy that gets offended by everything but, by any means, am, am I that dude? Uh, but the uh, 
it, for me, I guess it was the fact that it was kind of like, like we've explained, it's yeah. just kind of doing it to kind of get a reaction. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of stuff always makes me kind of just like, okay, like I get it, but I see that's so it's just so interesting because that was how I felt about Toxic Avenger, right, but you didn't feel that at all. No, yeah, Toxic I Avenger. felt like I got what it was doing. It's it's it's, it's just funny we, we we're had this exact conversation like yeah, last week. I know, week. It's, and we're on the opposite ends now. We're at, it's, we're having a moment, uh, but uh, but yeah, I I, I think it just it, it just shocked me, um, and because of that, I wasn't quite getting like the humor out of it. But having mm. this conversation, I do want to. To rewatch it. Try, try, to, try it again yeah, and be more yeah, prepared for maybe, it. Once I'm prepared, I've seen what it's let, doing. Uh, let I Divine can, I show can look, you consciousness yeah, by knocking you I can, unconscious. <laughs> I think that's a great line. I can dive has. into the uh, the humor a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give it a three for now, but we'll see We'll see where it goes. All right, what's, what's this other line I wanted to get in? Oh, uh, I, he's like, I, I'm your attorney, Don, not your press agent <laughs> in the courtroom. Yeah. Good shit. Sorry, uh, CJ. Before we head out, though, your what, what was your rating on the film? Uh, yeah, uh, I would be with you, Josh. I would give it a four. When I saw it years ago, I, I think I gave it a four and a half. And and but watching it again, I saw it a few months ago again because I was introducing someone to it. Because you know, uh, <laughs> there's there's more fun introducing. Clearly, there's a lot of fun to introducing people to this. You know, letting people kind of experience it for themselves. See that I would enjoy doing. Yes, <laughs> I think. Uh, but this one, I mean, what I would say anything is just like it's slightly because I just think at once Don is arrested, it just John Waters earlier stuff. His pacing was was off <laughs> to say the least. But because um, every yeah, like some of it just drags. But like it, that first, I think that first hour or so is just like absolutely fantastic. Like almost just pretty much near or masterpiece of comedy. And then yeah, so I would say a four. Sweet. All right. Well, that will wrap it up, I think, for Female Trouble. We are going to be right back, and we are going to be talking the Stella shorts. Oh, yeah. I'm in the mood for some pizza, you guys. I'm in the mood for some real Brooklyn pizza. Hey, the Brooklyn the pizza. Hey, you wanted a pizza. I'm about some real fucking Brooklyn pizza. Hey, yo, want a pizza. The pizza. Oh, I've got nipples, fuck. How can you milk me? I want to see the monkeys a do. I want a pizza. I want to see the monkeys do it. I want to dip my balls in it. Hey, the Brooklyn the pizza. All right, we are back, and we are talking the Stella Shorts, uh, a, a collection of uh, short, shot-on-video, homemade films from 1998 to uh, 2002 by the comedy group Stella. And I think we're going to let CJ introduce this one because I actually didn't even know that they work. I've, I'm familiar with almost every single one of these comedians and yeah. work and movies that they've done. I was not familiar with the <laughs> fact that they were a comedy group yeah, me uh, too. previously so but cj you said this was a really formative comedy group for yeah. you yeah i and, mean and your so, sense of humor do you know what it, it was funny i felt like i learned something about communicating with you watching these <laughs> because i have met you multiple times at the toronto film fest and i've talked to you and i was like wow this is exactly cj's sense of humor <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it's i mean uh yeah CJ's started, tweeting style everything i was like it's right here <laughs> i started i think yeah i started watching these uh, sometime in high school. So basically, I mean, to give the background, I guess, behind the, the, the shorts in general is that, uh, you know, the Stella is made up of David Wayne, Michael Showalter, and Michael Ian Black. They are a part of the 
comedy group called the state, which had like a one or two seasons show on MTV in, in the early nineties. And I was never a big fan of the state, but after the show, it, it was a cult classic. with A lot of people, it, it got canceled. And, um, so they all kind of broke off into doing their own thing. So, um, you had people like Tom Lennon, Tom Lennon and Robert Ben Garen to have become, you know, very successful screenwriters and actors and stuff. And all right. They went off and did shows like Reno 911 with, uh, Carrie uh, Kenny and, other members and then uh but even before reno 911 in the 90s uh i know like they created a show called viva variety that mike lee and black also co-created with them and then uh and then what you had was with showalter wayne and uh black was they just kind of were like let's make our own comedy group and they had this thing called stella when the whole kind of gimmick was they were just they would always wear suits um and they would just do and they did a show they would do a regular show in brooklyn as a routine and they eventually, you know, toured it around. And part of the show in Brooklyn was that they would kind of be like, Hey, this happened while we were on our way to the, sh- to do the show tonight. And they would play a short that they made. And, um, and then, you know, and then, and then what they did was, you know, after touring and they kind of built a little, you know, following and success, they compiled, you know, four years worth of these shorts and put them on DVD and sold them at live shows. The one thing, I mean, I felt bad picking this because it is so difficult. Pretty much the only way you can see this now is if one, you illegally download movies or you have a time machine and can go back in time to when they did the live shows and sold these things. They can't sell them now because this thing just, you know, like copyright would have killed them. Uh, they were just kind of doing this before they even got popular. This is even, um, I mean, even during and after uh, Wet Hot American Summer, because they were just doing this, because I think Wet Hot American Summer was 2001, 2002. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I mean, for me, I, I it got introduced, well, I mean, years ago, I watched Wet Hot American Summer on TV randomly one night. It was on the movie network as Canadians will know the movie Love network. The movie um, network. <laughs> yes. And then, um, so uh, I, I randomly turned that on one night and I was watching this movie. And I was like crying from laughter. It was so funny. And I kind of fell in love with it. And then years later, I learned about um, Stella, the TV show that was on Comedy Central, which was basically like, you know, their live show and these shorts and all that kind of were the pitch for a regular series. And the series Stella is quite different from what these shorts are. So I started watching the show and then I discovered the um, shorts online when I was just looking things up. Uh, I think it was used to be hosted on like College Humor. And then I saw these shorts and I was like, oh, my God, like this is I, I would I was just like heaving from laughter at yeah, almost I, every I heard single their one. show Stella on Comedy Central. They actually had problems with because Comedy Central actually like they were even a little too transgressive for Comedy Central. Like they uh, were like, can you put like less dildos in it? And they were well, like, <laughs> like, no, that's like that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I, I was like the thing with Stella, the, the TV shows on Comedy Central was that they actually made a very concerted effort to not do anything raunchy and offensive that they did with short because as we'll talk about the shorts are extremely raunchy and extremely offensive and um and, and so for the show they act they, they decided like we're gonna avoid doing all that because we've already done it and we're gonna try it so it was more just straight absurdism straight surrealism people compared it to you know marx brothers and, and a lot of like older slapstick and stuff so um i mean but what happened was as the show as that show went on because it lasted one season and got canceled about halfway through the season you kind of see them realize that they're not going to last beyond a season and they kind of just stop giving a shit and do whatever they want. <laughs> so um, the, the show itself is, is 
great. It's it's really funny, and uh, and they even lift some jokes and sequences pretty much directly from the shorts, but they kind of filter it to make it uh, more network friendly. Let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so basically that's kind of the whole like background for me discovering this in high school. Yeah, it, it really connected with me. I mean, I was very, I mean, a lot of stuff that was really formative for me in high school, like uh, a lot of it was like late night with Conan O'Brien on NBC. And that's because there was this, you know, like who cares? It's like total, just like middle finger to logic and, 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 and like, you know, I was so used to like narrative constraints and cliches and stuff. And Conan's show was just pure silliness for the sake of it. And this is one. And, and David Wayne, I think, you know, I consider David Wayne to kind of be the main guy because he's the one with the most directorial experience. Uh, his main thing and what I think is his greatest strength is he has such like a, like a, like deep down awareness of cliches and, and, and conventions and narrative. And he knows exactly how, um, so much of it can be made irrelevant because we're so used to seeing these things and he kind of takes advantage of that. So it becomes really disarming and funny. And that's kind of like all throughout this because it's, it's so, um, just sloppily put together and they don't give a shit about anything. And it's really just kind of going for a laugh. Even if they're going for the cheapest laugh, they're going for the laugh. Yeah, so this has such an absurd, like all of these shorts have such like an absurd rhythm to them. And they're always like frequently running over each other with like ideas and arguments and literal and abuse how, sometimes. Like <laughs> half of them end up just like, Everybody fucks, and yeah, then, or and everybody then ha- fights and, and then kills each other. Again. <laughs> yeah, it's like you gotta fuck the fight, and then you'll be happy again because <laughs> it always gets resolved. That's yeah. the best part because they'll have the yes. worst, most violent skit. Well, because ever. they like got the to Carol- the comedy show at some point, right? Right, like the Carol, uh, the, the the caroling one. Yeah, yeah, the caroling one. Um, they literally like they, they literally just each fight other. to the yeah. point where they're yeah. like bleeding everywhere, and then they just cut back to the living room. Everyone's shaking hands, it's all happy, and they just go on with their day. And it's I don't know. It's almost like they're they're constantly doing the worst possible things, but at the end of the day, it's like their characters don't give a shit enough <laughs> at all that they feel it's been resolved. It's almost like we're watching their own minds instead of like an actual reality. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, the the, the thing that I find really interesting is that you're it's right that that you're right that that happens, but for me, it felt more like they they wrapped it up because that's like. How you have to do. that would be a storytelling right. cliche like we That's have to saying. reach the conclusion yeah. but what for me one of the funniest absolute funniest parts for me was when they started developing like a strange comic universe out of it where like every once in a while they would all just sit around and get sad and they would have <laughs> yeah. flashbacks of previous shorts where things just went terribly yeah <laughs> yeah and like like it was it, it uh, watching these shorts about like the in Paul succession one in the forest yeah but there's even other times where like they have flashbacks too or or yeah. like they they have re- recurring moments of of violence and just previous pain that they felt where like a sexual interaction or a violent interaction or a, 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 vi- a violently sexual, sexual interaction, interaction yeah. <laughs> uh, sort of like kind of like stays with the character in some capacity because all three of them are obviously playing themselves in all of these shorts yeah um, like psychopathic versions of themselves <laughs> yeah and they're I mean we'll we'll be upfront with it like most of them are completely nonsensical in terms of uh, like, like the plotting like, like, like oh yeah the what's realism going on in there. of the, of the and, story and, yeah. I mean even like individual dialogue the way the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> sometimes they just you can this is definitely improv comedy and it, it has that kind of like you know sporadic 
spontaneity to it, I guess. Absolutely. Um, which did remind me a lot of, uh, obviously, um, Wet Hot American Summer, but also like Wet Hot American Summer. The thing that I always have always really loved about that film is that they do, you know, absurd things that people yeah. would call that you could say you know, I, I have seen people say that this is like random humor. They're just doing yeah. something absurd and yeah. it's, it's like, wow, why did that happen? But the thing is, is that they always sort of like how I was saying with Trey Parker and cannibal, the musical, it feels like they still commit to yeah, that absurdity and it becomes a lot of the time a fundamental part of a character or a location or, right. you know, well, that's a good point. It almost, and, and, and it they starts, actually investigate it. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it almost starts with complete absurdity. And yeah. then as you dive into the actual character, it and, almost and whatever, makes some weird sort of comic sense. Weird <laughs> sense just within these guys, because they're such psychos. But. Yeah, because obviously I'm thinking something like that, the iconic Christopher Maloney and H. John Benjamin pairing in Wild American Summer, where he's like the, uh, the uh, he plays the talking can of vegetables okay. that likes to do perform autoflatio or whatever. Uh, and like, I, I, I feel like people always call that like a point of, of like just random just humor, random. Yeah. but like how much that ends up coming back and expanding like the I peripheries of the what universe. People forget is yeah. like, cause it's, it does start off very absurd. Like yeah. it's going to kind of throw you for a loop a bit, but then w- as it goes, yeah. especially like being introduced to these Stella shorts for the first time, at first, I was like, "Oh, damn! Like this is this is pretty out there, pretty crazy." And then, as it gets deeper and deeper, I just started enjoying the absurdity oh, yeah. more and more, and kind of becoming one with it and these characters, even though they're complete insane people. Yeah, but eventually, <laughs> like I started out with the these first two shorts here. Maybe we'll start getting into some of the shorts here. The first two shorts here, I was like completely like, "What?" Yeah, and then. And, and I then, even got a bit of that that random vibe okay, like at, yeah. at first, but then once again, as it dives in, I'm like, oh, they're they're doing this. Like they want to do this. They're doing it on purpose. There's a reason for it in some regard, as as loose as it might be sometimes. Yeah, well, because I mean, and, and sometimes you know, it's again, it is improv comedy, so a lot of yeah. times someone will explore like just uh you know like a, like a joke they'll just point out a joke and then they will but again the way that they will but commit they to that joke and like kinda. yeah and 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 actually run with it frequently yeah. there's one in the turkey hunt one which is which is a great one to start off with actually um where uh i, I also like that they they always try to harmonize and sing songs yeah i love time. that uh, oh it's great uh but there's there's one really awesome one in the turkey hunt one where they are being instructed on on how to uh, obviously go go turkey hunting and use guns to kill turkeys and Michael Ian Blacks uh, says that he's a staunch gun gun control advocate is kind of like strangle the turkey and he's like no the, the, like how the pilgrims did it he's like the, the pilgrims <laughs> use muskets yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like <laughs> that's how they did it too uh, but there, there's one bit where uh, I think it's one of the Michaels shoots the turkey instructor yeah. shot Dan yeah. and he's just like I swear to god I thought it was a turkey <laughs> and, the, and one of them just goes okay this is serious like we need to call Marcus and the one's just like who the fuck is Marcus yeah. <laughs> and then they just run with that. Yeah, who the fuck is Marcus? What are you talking about? Yeah. And again, the way that they'll just run with with something like that, and then they'll end up. Uh, I mean, I, I think that that short just ends with necrophilia and masturbation. It does. They just jerk yeah. off, and then they run away to pop music. <laughs> like it's like the happiest thing in the world. Which, which once again, that's kind of like what they go with a lot of the time in these skits is either there's like a, a cut to resolution, which yeah. you don't really get to see why it's gotten to that point, 
or it's something where they just accept the horrible thing that they've done and just move on with their day. Well, not only that, a lot of time they'll just double down on it. Yeah, like, like, they, that, like, yeah. like they shot the turkey instructor and then they're like, oh, wait, he's still alive. And then another one just shoots him in the <laughs> head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were like, nobody called the cops. They're like, yay, no cops. Yeah. Woo. I think it's it's this thing where like, I mean, it, with David Wade, I mean, I, he, I think he just know, like they know like, okay, we have a start point and we have an end point. And as long as things come full circle, it yeah. really doesn't matter what the hell happens. What's in between? You can literally do whatever you want in between. And there's another thing where like uh, years ago, I remember uh, the DVD came with like a commentary track for all the shorts that they did. And I remember they basically, they straight up admit like one that um, they would run out of ideas making shorts. They really just kind of like winged a lot of these shorts. So they, if they ran out of ideas, they were like, okay, everybody have sex or we're going to throw a dildo in there or we're just going <laughs> to end it. Like they straight up would do that. And then I, I read at one I read that apparently they said as well That's that hilarious. they, they adopted a policy at one point where they were like, it was a one hour policy as in we're only committing one hour to shooting and finishing a short entirely. So they, from shooting to like editing, they were said one hour, no more. Wow. So they're like, they were just like extremely lazy Come up with everything, <laughs> but so it was, funny. but I mean, it, it makes it so much funnier. Cause yeah, because they know it well, doesn't it, matter. It gives it a sense you... of energy and speed to it though. I do feel that yeah. in the actual shorts oh, themselves. Yeah. So oh, yeah. they always have to be on because you have such short time and obviously they had, you know, such a short duration to even film it that they're just always on, you know, they're always trying to come up with the next outrageous thing out of their mouths. Yeah. And, and, and every once in a while, if they're all like on, yeah. like the way that it a scene gets... moves in this can just be absolutely crazy. Like, I mean, like the Santa Claus one just ends in literally just a hardcore porno. Yeah. Like just, they're... just, <laughs> just blowing Mrs. Claus. <laughs> And I mean that yeah. they're blowing Mrs. Claus. Yeah, the, 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 the searching for Santa one is also particularly funny to me because there's also a lot of like obviously like Jewish humor that kind of comes out of this. Yeah. Uh, and one of my favorite <laughs> jokes in all of the shorts is the one where Michael Showalter is explaining to Mrs. Claus what Hanukkah is. Oh, yeah. And he's like, Chanukkah? He's like, no, Hanukkah. And it's like this, it's that casual cliche of like a Jewish person explaining their holiday to, you know, someone who doesn't understand. Yeah. But it ends up, ending with him going and we will not give up the Gaza Strip to the Lebanese <laughs> and then it just fades away right and, away and, and you can tell that Michael Showalter like just turned it on yeah. for like a second like he just went like full Israeli relative yeah. on someone yeah. and, and and that ends with him looking like he's going to like explode Blowed with, with laughter. laughter yes absolutely and I love that because they know and they just kind of do a fade away yeah. but they leave enough and it's it's Really, really funny. That was one of the best parts for sure. I, that that joke like was one of the first ones I where I had to pause and yeah. like I was like I because I wasn't paying attention anymore. Yeah, me too. I honestly, find, I think out of all three of them, they're all great. But I really, really enjoyed uh, the Christmas one. The, no, just Michael. Like out of the three. Oh, out of the, the three, the guys, ones yeah. that I was laughing with the yeah. most, I felt like Michael, not Ian Black. Although once again, all great. But that one, Michael guy, I, I was. I really, I really it. liked Michael Ian Black in the um, uh, Lost Cousin Greg one or whatever, or the. Yeah, David, David's cousin Greg or whatever. Oh, yeah. yes. He's he's in the bathroom listening to Alanis Morissette. Thank Stop. you, and like brushing his asshole with like a toothbrush. Yeah. <laughs> well, just like whistling, like it's a normal day. Like they're just trying to do the worst possible things. But my favorite line from from that skit is when he pushes the dog out the window. He's like, you know what? I'll be the first to say that that was wrong, <laughs> and then he does it again. I thought that it would help. Like, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I thought that it would help, 
but I'll be the first to say that I was wrong. See, I, need to, I, need, I need to like, I just said to him because like that was, that's a scene. Like that was the one I remember very specifically. That was the one where I was like, like, this is, this is perfection it. to me. Like, cause I like to, I mean, I will even admit this. Like, I think, I think that whole, like part of that explanation he gives is actually like, le, like legit my yearbook quote, because I had no idea what to think of. And I just watched it and I was like, well, this is like that. Like it was just the idea of like him doing just like such a horrible act, like just throwing a dog out a window and then like Not realizing trying it, to justify and then try, it. Just like, <laughs> trying to justify his way out of it, which is just like that. It's just so like the way he delivers it is so perfect. Yeah. And, um, and, what and, and yeah. go ahead. No, I was just like, that's perfect. Like, that's why. And I mean, like, I was thinking back, I realized, I remembered, like, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I think I legit put, like, the, that was wrong with me, and I will be the first person to admit it. Like, that was in my yearbook. Like, that was my yearbook in high school. And what I love about that scene, too, is that previously, we've only seen them do absolutely terrible things and not acknowledge it at all. So that one moment where he's (laughs) like, you know what? I went a little too far. I just started, it broke me. Like, I was like... Because they are doing extremely disgusting things. To well, yeah, these that's, that's the one where he they're dumping pickles and wine on her like family <laughs> like sacred photos, photos from the Civil War era, and then they're then they're trying to clean it up with a PB and J sandwich, <laughs> trying to like yeah. wipe it up. <laughs> then, he, uh, then he goes around and starts berating some like clerk because he's like, "Do you have jelly remover for photo albums?" And yeah. she's, like, she's like, "What?" She's like, "Do you speak English? <laughs> Do you have jelly remover? You idiot." <laughs> Um, but also one thing worth mentioning about the dog being thrown out the window is also the like, uh, like gorilla shot on video, like homemade thing that they're doing the way that they move that camera of him sliding that window down (laughs) from the shot of him walking over to it with the dog. Just the way that those two shots connect is a huge part of why that lands for me. And even the great moment where they're like, uh, like they say, they show that they've saved the dog at least the first time. And then it shows Michael Ian black catch it. And you're like a little relieved. And then what does he do? Just throws it in a dumpster. Yeah. Like right away. <laughs> like without even hesitation. He's like, trash. Yeah, then the cousin comes along. He's like, I found Pinochet in the garbage. Like, <laughs> and then he throws it out the window again. <laughs> I'll be the I first was, to admit I was wrong. I remember Netscape watching this, so good. Watching this again. 20 minutes about that. I was so uncomfortable watching it again because it was the scene right before the right before the cousin shows up where like the wife is just like sobbing on the couch after the <laughs> so and Michael Ian Black is wearing a dress and he just starts like beating her up for no reason. Yeah, he's, he's- I, I actually really thought it was funny because Michael Ian Black can't hold in the laughter either. Like he's just he's just literally hit the joke is is that he's hurting her physically. Yeah. And, 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 and what is the line her. he has? He's like, what did John Mellencamp say or whatever? Because it hurts so good. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, oh my, and then, yeah, and then they all have an orgy to Purple Rain, I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah, and then they all live happily. Like, it's just like they fuck and that's all they needed. They just needed that release, you know? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so oh, these are, those are the first three shorts of the, of, of the whole thing. There's so many of these of these shorts. Uh, they do a Die Hard riff at one point. Uh, they do... Uh, a lot of them involve Christmas, actually. Quite yeah. a few of them. I don't know if they just did a lot of Christmas comedy shows. I think uh, so. <laughs> that, that has to have been part of it. Um, <laughs> one of my favorites was... It's a very short one and, and very simple, but the uh, set, the band it? practice one. Oh, yeah, and one audition. of my favorite moments is when he's sticking in the one, two, three, four, and he just <laughs> keeps going. <laughs> and they just stare at him. And he's just like, 
One, two, three, four. We're gonna get into it. Just keep going. Pay attention Wait. to me. <laughs> yeah. It's coming. Don't you worry. It's so good, man. It's unbelievably funny. Yeah, because it's like a young high school kid wants to put on a band, and like these three grown men <laughs> in suits. suits. Are, yeah. <laughs> and one of them instantly he mentions his girlfriend, and he's like, "Where's where is she? In the backyard?" He just leaves without <laughs> telling anybody. And when they eventually play the song, the the keyboard is playing, even though he left to go and talk to Debbie. That was a great uh, comedic moment where they start actually start the song and then it's just like an overdub lounge song <laughs> that has nothing to do with what they're playing or like their <laughs> instruments or anything like that. Yeah, again, the, the way that There's they will just... There's no just, rules to any other shit. Well, it, it's... Uh, I actually which just... Which is beautiful. I, I think that CJ really hit on it when he talked about like their, just their knowledge of cliches. Like yes, the way, the way exactly. that they, they take an just idea conventions and, of... Yeah. And, and they just... You know, I just found I was constantly uh, shocked, uh, not in as the same way as I was with John Waters, but like (laughs) just just the way that they would turn a scene on its head and then immediately commit to that. Like the way that that audition one ends is what actually killed me about that whole short. The one where the dad comes in and he's like, I actually hate my son and I hate my agent. And, and, And these three guys who just like stole my son's girlfriend like you're my family now, uh, <laughs> son. You are actually disowned because and 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 they were the ones who smashed the father's guitar. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a like a priceless from uh, Eric Clapton. I think it's an yeah, Eric Clapton and, and, and they they did it to kill a bug, but the father is just like, I'm so happy that you killed that, that bug, bug in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> he was like my priceless. And then guitar. they even break down the fourth wall more by bowing to the audience from the garage at the end, like it's a <laughs> stage show. Like they just come out with with you know they basically like you said they take the convention and then just break it over and over and over again. CJ, maybe you can tell us about the one the one short here. Uh, it, it unlike any of the other shorts. The one where they just prance around with the dog to walk on the ocean by Toad the Wet it's like the only wholesome, <laughs> like the only wholesome skin in the whole thing. I was waiting for it, and I think that's the point. But yeah, that was called. That was called. I mean, the title of that short is "Day Off," and I wonder if they really were just like they had a day. And a they dog. had a dog, and they were like, "Oh, let's just do this." Like they just shot it. And I mean, park, like you got a dog. I think part of the greatness of it is like you are waiting for something yep. and then it just ends. <laughs> like that's yep. what makes it. I literally put in my notes, oh, wholesome. <laughs> like, because I was just so shocked that nothing happened. I guess that's the subversion this time. <laughs> yeah. That literally, it's, it's, just, it's just. Nope. It's just two, three guys well, playing in a park. Also, I found all of their 90s needle drops just like so. They, they took me back. The amount of times where they're doing, or when they're doing the caroling and they start singing Riders on the Storm and keep <laughs> them separated by the offspring. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, no, I I gotta say I I, the, I don't know how they got up because you were saying that they were just selling these DVDs, so like they they didn't have permission to use any. Yeah, of this that's music, the obviously. one thing that I noticed right away. I was like, "There's no way they have the rights to Riders on the Storm by the <laughs> no. Doors." There's no fucking way. <laughs> no, there's no. These are these are totally like bootleg. Like these were they uploaded most of them to like. So around 2014, no, 2005, I think they are uploading them to like college humor. And that was just yeah. back in the day where like DMCA's and like this were not really yeah. happening. It was more so like people were, I guess back then they were more so obsessed with like illegal downloading of music and all that. And um, so this, and this was like just so like tiny, like they were just throwing these things together and it wasn't really like a big fish 
to fry for anyone. So yeah, I mean like these are just, these are totally just like they made them explicitly for the purpose of just showing them as part of these shows. And then just for the fans, they just compile them onto this DVD and it kind of, um, I mean, it's a limited, uh, like limited viewership but people who have seen it and stuff like a lot of people really, uh, cherish, you know, this collection and, um, you know, myself included, obviously. Yeah. And just speaking again on that, the music thing where they were kind of like playing on, you know, using all these these drops that they clearly didn't have permission for. They even end a a skit dedicating one to Paul Simon because because they use America like the angel fucks Dave and then he he comes eventually and then it just cuts. You've you've heard of touched by an angel. Yeah, And they're like dedicated (laughs) to Paul Simon. I'm like, this has got to be like kind of a nudge in the sense that they know they couldn't get Paul Simon's permission on this. So now they're even dedicating it to him as like a, I don't know if it's a middle finger necessarily. That's probably not the right word. Well, no, that that short actually opens with this is all Paul Simon. Let us use this or whatever. Or, but, but, but I don't know that that's actually, I I don't think that was part of the joke. Yeah. I think it's part of the joke is that they're just being like this. Cause it's so outrageous. We we conceptualized this in Paul Simon's music space yeah. and we were grateful that he even let I think it even says that he like let us use his space and like his yeah. uh like live with him or something like that basically yeah. Yeah. they were like this was creatively influenced by Paul Simon thanks so much we couldn't do it without you <laughs> yeah that's just uh, such a great joke uh I I really liked the Sam Rockwell pizza one too where they oh, yeah. do tons Ford. of music in that one <laughs> yeah I think I think I love with that one. It's it's two things I love in that one. I mean, like the Sam Rockwell stuff, obviously, but I love um, when they're like, "I'm bored," and then he just puts a knife to like Michael puts a knife to David's throat or something, and they're well, like, yeah, well, "No it, way!" It, it, it's funny. It opens is David puts a knife to his own throat, and they were like, "Hey, yes. stop that!" And then Michael's like, "I'm bored too," and he takes the knife and then puts it also to <laughs> yeah. David's throat. <laughs> that, and then um, it's it's when they were playing uh, charades, and that one is like. That's so like that. That's like such a almost like flawlessly done joke where like, you know, Michael and Michael are just like playing charades perfectly. And then you just no, it was Michael and David. And then you see like Showalter just sitting there and like his like ghost or something comes out of his body and just goes, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, that was one of my favorites, too. That was such a well landed joke. Uh, but when Sam, Sam Rockwell is, I think he's the, he's the pizza delivery guy in that one. Yeah. And they, they ordered a pizza and then they, he opens the door and they immediately go, we don't have any money. (laughs) He drops the pizza and he's like, do you think I'm some sloppy wet pussy for you to fuck? (laughs) And And that's when they busk, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's when they, they, they start busking and and this is one of my favorite bits because this is actually one of the few times that you, they actually take a lot of advantage of that gorilla shot on video thing that they're yeah, doing yeah. because you can tell that they're busking in New York and all the people that they're filming like aren't aware that they're not just real buskers because they're so bad. Yeah. Uh, like and the, once again, they're doing like these unconventional songs. They do keep them separated again. That oh drops yeah. two or three times in the, in the thing. And I almost feel like it's a joke. Like they have that <laughs> as kind of a joke song. Well, they, I, I well, like the song well yeah, they, they do. Uh, they, they go from like classics uh, and then they, they'll do like Jesse's girl and pinball wizard. Yeah. But then they'll do tub thumping by Jumbo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and like they're doing it on an acoustic guitar with like three vocalists. Exactly. <laughs> like it makes no sense. And then all of the money is obviously they're making so much money by doing this. Cause that's the whole, the whole point they're raising money for the pizza. And then they go back and they strip and have an orgy with Sam Rockwell, the pizza guy, of course, eat all the pizza. <laughs> 
And Which, then, by the way, reminded me of Driller Killer, the way that they eat the pizza. Because they on purpose. <laughs> like when Abel Ferreira yeah, eats they the pizza purposely make killer. this sound like all disgusting, as gross yeah. as it possibly can. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves. So I was just sitting there like, you bastards. <laughs> well, it's, he makes it worse too because he's like, nothing better than a sloppy wet pizza. Yeah. <laughs> it is his fake teeth fall out that's while he's trying to eat the pizza, too, which is so yeah. funny. Yeah. Another uh, like little thing that uh, they re- like to repeat little things that only happen every like few skits. And one of the ones that I love is every time David does something bad to Michael accidentally, Michael just goes, I don't want to hear it, David. And then starts mercilessly beating the shit out of him like every time. And you know it's about to happen because he's just like, I don't want to hear it, David. And then just starts destroying him. And it's. It's such a funny little character. Yeah, the, the way that these shorts eventually ended up actually connecting to one another sometimes, I actually found a little bit rewarding. And maybe that can let us yeah. into where we get into... Because it felt like there was actually some character thing going on there. Yeah. You know, at least a little. They at least had, like, a catchphrase or, or something, but they used it in, once again, such an unconventional well, yeah, each, way. each comedian, you know, carves out their own little bit of a personality right. every so often that yeah. I really liked. Uh, but we can maybe pivot towards, because we can't do all the shorts, but we can maybe yeah. pivot towards doing, uh, CJ suggested maybe doing, uh, you know, picking out our, our, our favorite shorts here. And uh, I got to say, number one for me, uh, well, it's actually a tie, so this is cheating, but uh, <laughs> one of them anyway, The Woods, the one with Paul Rudd. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, yeah. this one was unbelievable to me. And this is the one where they're and just... And it's go- more subtle than the rest. Which yeah, I they're, they're, they're going hiking through the woods and they realize they're like, you know, we're, we're having a good time hiking. Michael Ian Black is hiking in uh, uh, flippers, like scuba flippers. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they, they, they get there and they're like, the woods are so wonderful. And they're, you know, if, if, if we look around, there's like, there's, there's, there's food here. And they look down and they're just like, like these great Frankfurters, natural food, these hot dogs, just already pre-made, ready for them to go. And they go, so so yeah, why don't we find some food? Why don't we find some wood and we'll cook up these Frankfurters? Uh, And uh, Michael Showalter brings over a packaged log of wood, (laughs) Duraflam wood. Duraflam. He's like, I've got the wood and now we just need something smaller to like get it started with. And Michael E. Black's like, how about this? They just quickly pan over to him holding a baby upside down, completely incorrectly. And David Wayne immediately lights a match over top (laughs) of the real baby. And Michael Showalter has the best, and this is the best line delivery for me of all of them too. Where he's, he's outraged. He's like, you can't burn a baby. And David Wayne hits back with even better line delivery. He goes, haven't you heard of Vietnam? <laughs> That's all we did over there. <laughs> now, come on and give me a hand with this. <laughs> and, <laughs> it too. And, and, and Michael Showalter has all, uh, again, the line delivery has never been stronger in any of these shorts than right here. <laughs> because Michael Showalter goes, I, I guess you're right. <laughs> No arguing with yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> so they're gonna they're all start walking over to light the baby on fire, and this is the, also the one skit that includes you know their 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 friend Paul Rudd, who would eventually do, be in a lot of the work that they do. Paul Rudd yeah. was in Wet Hot American Summer as well as uh, role models that David Wayne did as well. Yeah, uh, and Paul Rudd does his classic no, and he does those great those great like uh, like dance moves that he does like on yeah. the spot. Yeah, uh, he he was so good. Um, but the rest of this short is like Paul Rudd comes up 
throws the baby into the middle of the forest. Just like fo- isn't it like, to save it too? Yeah, it's to it's save it. To He's save like, it. no, He's don't like, burn no, it. Yeah, just he just he it. like football spirals it into the middle of the forest, <laughs> and then they all you know start bonding over. They're like, why don't we all cook these frankfurters together? But this is the short that ends in a completely different way than any of the shorts that yeah. I absolutely loved which is where they're all sitting around eating the hot dogs. And I think they go, wow, this fire is great because they spent the whole montage of building the fire. And literally there's a shot of like them hammering a piece, like a two by four, like they're building the, like that's building the fire apparently. Yeah. Um, and uh, Paul Rudd goes, these Franks aren't bad either. And they all, they all have like a really fake laugh and then they all get really existential <laughs> yeah. and they all have moments where they think it, it does a, brief like uh overlaid flashback of previous shorts where they've remembering like pain or suffering from a previous short where they've yeah. been like attacked or one of them remembers the christmas caroling violence scene and paul rudd remembers his arc on friends with jennifer Aniston. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it ends that's the end of that short oh, man. that one like front to back i couldn't believe how that one goes from them being friends in the woods to the lighting a baby on fire joke to killing the baby by throwing it in the forest to just like existentialism to, of to, their to career. being a friend group again <laughs> yeah. and then to like this like weird existential pain thing again and that'll ha- I that even I, connects Paul Rudd's real life career <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure that that short is like three and a half minutes the, the way that it gets to all those different ideas so yeah yeah that one kind of blew me away mm-hmm. uh but for you CJ what's the best one Oh God! I mean, show them talk, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll probably just blaze through as many as, as, as I can because we already talked about like turkey hunting and and David's cousin, which I love. Well, and, I, and searching. I, I, I was hoping you would hit my second favorite one. Which one? Uh, well, it's it's Bradley Cooper raking leaves. Oh, raking leaves! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he becomes the devil. His name is Bill. Bill is the buff. <laughs> And also, it was such a trip to watch Bradley Cooper. I had no idea I was going to see fucking Bradley yeah, Cooper. Yeah, when was this. he blonde? I don't remember him ever this being blonde. This was so young, right? I mean, this has got to be 2000s, 2001, I guess, when they had Cooper. Yeah, probably. well, and they also give him that brief uh, subplot role in um, Wet oh, Hot the American Summer. Oh, oh, yeah. In yeah. Wet Hot American Summer, he's Michael Ian Black's gay lover in the... Right. <laughs> in the, like, I, I don't remember if they're in, like, the cottage or the outhouse or wherever, or in the... The pool, the or shit, what is it? It's like the lake. It's like a the, supply room or something. Yeah, it's the yeah. supply room near the lake where they keep like the kayaks and stuff or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. that that one kind of blew me away with Bradley Cooper as Satan, where they fend him <laughs> off by slapping his abs and then <laughs> fucking him. And and seemingly to death, but then again, the way that all the shorts end, they're all really happy by the end. <laughs> yeah. Because you got it. Everyone's friends. They're friends with uh, Beelzebub, the Satan who who has the great line where Bradley Cooper very sensually says, "You guys want to rake my leaves?" Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if if like they were the they were the guys like Bradley Wet Hot American Summer is Bradley Cooper's first feature role that was yeah. like his debut, right? So like that's I mean I guess he just hung around with them. It's, it's interesting. Like Bradley <laughs> Cooper did start out trying to be like part of this like comedy thing and, yeah. you know, eventually like being a hangover. And then now he's like, you know, so grim and serious, but, um, yeah, I mean, I like that. And then, you know, he's in yoga as well, although in a much less, much smaller role, but yoga is also like one of my 
favorites. I love in yoga when they're like sitting down and, and Showalter is just like smoking a cigarette in the room while they're, and then the woman behind him is just coughing and he's just like, shut up. Just something I've done a lot to people where like they're coughing or seeing them just like, shut up. Like if they're just involuntarily doing something, I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> it gets so thrown off. One of the things that I love when they start like kind of, you know, breaking down even the filmmaking, there's a, a, a skit where I can't remember what happens in the beginning, but at the end they, uh, they all get ice cream and they're like talking about it. And then they go to Michael and he's literally like holding the boom yes. mic and in the most <laughs> awkward way, cause he's trying to hold the boom mic and the, ice, the cream. ice cream. And it's like, it's just so, you know, they're going for that kind of amateur thing and it's hilarious. It's, it's, it's great. I think, I mean, yeah. And one of the, I mean, it's not one of my favorites, but um, it, like they, they do that with uh, the, the one take short. It's like they hype up so much and like, oh, and like yeah. that is just like it's the one, just the a one piece take of short like, is is pretty i mean the thing about the one take short is it's kind of like one joke unfortunately whereas i yeah. feel like a lot of yeah. the shorts are really good because they're firing so many different joke cylinders at the same time yeah. but the the one take joke is funny just for anyone who is you know interested in in film because yeah. those things are cuz like the actual joke is that it's one take. Yeah, well, because it's it, it's so impressive. So, but yeah. But but the thing that is always you know you have to keep in mind is like how motivated is this shot? Yeah, and exactly. That's, and that's the thing is that they is they're it, just doing they it. intentionally make it so unmotivated and so yeah. unnecessary, it's like tedious almost. Well, yeah, because yeah, they they do it where like it would actually be more convenient to just do a pan, <laughs> and, it, and instead yeah. they're like, what if we do a full? We zoom in on this thing and then pull back out when it would have been just so much easier of a camera yeah. move and made more sense to just not do it at all. And that's something I also like about it is that they're not all, they're not afraid to be subtle about that kind of that kind of a joke, you know? Like mm. that's not outrageously hilarious, but when you think about it and like now that we're reminiscing, like that's a very well-crafted joke and very funny. Oh yeah. You know? So yeah. they're not always trying to just do the whole like hey, we're being complete psychopaths and then we're fucking and then you know all that stuff. <laughs> it's they have some really good subtle jokes in here too. Oh, yeah. I think um, the one thing, like one of the shorts is one of my personal favorites, although I know a lot of people like disagree, but I feel really fond about like the college reunion short, their take on like the big chill, which it's it's so weirdly deranged. And like, I just remember it's, it's that one part where they're like sitting around talking and one of them's like telling a story about like when they were in college and they're like, get this guys, his thesis was triple spaced and they just <laughs> die from laughter. Yeah. And there's something so specific about that that just really, really, really gets me. And I think it's just absolutely hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many like uh, I would say the other one's well, like there's, well, there, there, there's one where their wiffle ball dispute is that's the Paul Simon one right where their wi- wiffle yeah. ball dispute is that's one of my settled, favorites settled that's by baseball. an angel that yeah. then fucks the shit out of David and what Wayne. I love too is what they're doing when they're trying to bat they're doing like this classy gentleman stuff <laughs> when they're trying to do the batting and it's it's just the, the physicality of it is very funny well, yeah, and, and, and also Ian they're Black terrible so they keep missing yeah and then yeah. I'm pretty sure it's David who like intentionally hits Michael with the wiffle ball and, and that's where he says that's where he says his line right yeah. yeah or he's just like I don't want to hear it David and yeah. <laughs> just starts beating the hell out of him <laughs> there's one where they go back in time to their Jewish ancestors and uh, fix uh, the native relations by selling them weed, giving them forty, yeah, forty dollars, and then they and then, and then selling them forty dollars worth yeah. of weed. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think what other there's there's the the there's the Who Done It one. Yeah, that was where they great. where they do their take on the on the murder mystery. The thing that I really liked about that is that they're always like the lights go out and then someone's dead and they're like, "Who did it?" But every single time we know that they've done it. Basically, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like at one point they just with the lights on. Uh, I'm pretty sure Showalter like karate chops the dude and then they when he gets down on the ground they just take a pistol to his head like once twice then they give the gun to the next guy and they take turns all shooting him and then the lights go off and it comes back on they're like he's dead who did this (laughs) i think my favorite part of that though is when like they're shooting him and then show Walter. Like, I think whoever was the last one, like he shoots him in the head like several times, then points the gun and shoot at uh, David and shoots. But it's like, it's, he's like, it Oh, he's like no bullets. Then he points it back down and shoots the guy again. And it does go off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which makes no sense. What yeah. I also love is how the, the skits, like, especially like once it gets to the end, it seems like their characters have gotten to this complete, almost spaz, sporadic, uh, yeah. kind of, personality where like it starts with them uh turning on the tv and arguing like what channel they're gonna watch and at first it's like like sports and then it's no i want my drama sports drama and then it just becomes you know like they just keep switching sporadically back and forth right that's the one with the cat right yeah yeah and it's the last one it's the one where it, it ends with them all like just sad and then it just cuts the credits Wait, because they like tried that. to steal someone's cat yeah yeah uh, <laughs> And then uh, they were like, "It's dead." (laughs) 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 To the little girl. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. There's also one really bizarre, absurd one: dick fish. Yeah, that's that's also one of it's funny. They they stick a dildo to the fish and they're jerking the fish off. (laughs) (laughs) They even start it with like, "This is kind of a lost Stella sketch. We didn't know what to do with it." I don't know if that was part of. The joke I think or, I think it, I thought it, it was because like the way that they were talking about it seemed like they were still poking fun at it. So uh, yeah, yeah I, 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 go ahead. No, I think like with that one, no, that, that it was funny rewatching it. That became one of my favorite things because I love the setup of like them acting like it's this lost short and doing this kind of like documentary thing where they're yeah. all doing talking heads interviews, <laughs> explaining it. And then they show it and it's just the dumbest goddamn thing like in yeah, the world. Yeah, because they're, they're explaining conceptually how much thought we put into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, we had this really great idea of just like a fish but it With has a, a giant dick. dick. <laughs> <laughs> we just thought of it. We were like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're gonna have to enter the reductive rating round yeah, sure. uh, on, on this one and, and final statements. But this, this one got a, a pretty solid four from, from me too. Mm. I don't know what it, I, I had a hard time kind of like wrapping my right, my mind around like exactly why, but I don't know. I've more <laughs> felt this rating one out because I, yeah. I just, I laughed a lot. Um, yeah. I, I found these shorts pretty consistently funny um, and out, out outlandish and sporadic, and I, I really can't get over Bradley Cooper as as Satan and the way that they will, you know, they'll take that idea, but then they'll also immediately like address it to death, where like one of them literally just looks at the camera and like it's a battle between good and evil, and bittersweet <laughs> symphony starts playing, yeah. <laughs> and like, and then again they just they. they, they 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 fight him by slapping his abs like trying to kill him with that and they beat him with a log um and again just the way that these skits feel like 
completely unpredictable and that someone will say a line and it will completely derail everything about that skit from the time being like like they will almost establish a logic to the skit just to immediately derail it and um, as soon as you figure it out they just pull the rug out i just found that like endlessly funny because there was no way like i would i would immediately my brain would immediately try to wrap myself around the universe that they're establishing with the skit and then you know one of them would improv something that's really funny and then that would be it that would be the new direction of the skit and then again they would always have to find their way back to a certain place and sometimes it would be nonsensically and sometimes it would be um you know it, it actually would kind of make a little bit of uh sense so yeah, for, for me, I just thought that this had, like, a, a great, absurd comic rhythm to it, um, and I liked that it had that homemade amateur quality shot on video really style adds to, to it. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and they, the they actually found inventive ways to, to you know, milk the visuals for comedy sometimes. Again, yeah. I, I, I can't... I still think the reason, a huge part beyond his delivery of, I threw the dog out the window, is the shot where they don't... Because they, they don't even show you him doing it. They just show yeah, his physical movement as he's shutting the window window closed <laughs> and, the and like that's gone. enough and the way that the camera moves uh sells the rest of that so yeah the way that they would commit to the absurdity of this and make it a fundamental part of their characters and the way that they would you know actually connect these shorts into a larger universe together uh yeah i found it uh, very funny and very rewarding as they all uh went on even if there was like you know the occasional skit that didn't you know wasn't as uh, hilarious hilarious yeah. yeah like i i wrote a couple of them down here that i didn't take notes for so i wrote poker and mustache and i'm sure they had funny parts of them i but actually I didn't really write any enjoyed notes. mustache mustache yeah because yeah, they're just like forcefully trying <laughs> to grow it with such like yeah i i, I it, with such tensity I, I guess it's just such a simple joke i didn't have to take any notes for it yeah <laughs> yeah uh, and I think they yeah. even mentioned they're like, put bare naked ladies on or something, <laughs> and then they just start growing mustaches. It was so weird, but I enjoyed it. Uh, but for you, CJ. Uh, my, so my rating, I mean, like personally, you know, given how it's like infants everything, it's like, it would technically be like, like a full on five because I just adore nice. these. And, and the, and, but I mean, like, I guess like if I had like a more like critical eye, I would have just been like a four. And that's just because like, there's just inherently unevenness to this kind of thing it's a compilation yeah, it was it's, never it's meant to comedy be, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it was never meant to be like made in this format it was just compiled but i mean uh but i mean even then you know like you get like you said you get a lot of fun kind of things that as you see kind of like callbacks and recurring jokes and stuff but i mean yeah so like on, on like just a personal level it's, it's one of my absolute favorites it's it's also insanely rewatchable like it's still really goddamn funny like this is almost like 15 years almost for me now since for seeing these and they're still really 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 funny and that i find is very very rare yeah. for a lot of comedies with me it's hard for me to kind of watch re-watch comedies and find to still live up to um like how funny it is like yeah. even over the years i've watched these countless times and yet it still can make me laugh a lot uh yeah i'm gonna you. give it a four as well uh i agree like there there can be some pacing issues just because they're sketches i mean that's just how it goes it's it, I, I wasn't really beast, expecting it to you know? be completely yeah. fluent in that way um but uh this i, know, my, I, I honestly found that almost even funnier most yeah, of the time I, well, how and it kind of goes was, with yeah. how their characters are and everything so uh yeah i'm gonna give it a four <laughs> yippee pippy motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> and the baloney <laughs> yeah the baloney <laughs> Um, my, my favorite skits, just, uh, the ones that I can think of right now, that, that we didn't uh, get to, the, yeah. when they've, the long lost cousin one really, I think might be the top for me that, that dog line just, <laughs> that's what, that's what kind of 
uh, and CJ, you said this too, I think, is that's what kind of just hooked me. That, that like clicked, I, as yeah. soon as that happened, it, yeah. I was like, I get what these guys are doing, and I was on board. Um, so that one really jumped out at me. The uh, the baseball one or wiffle ball one, I really found funny, just because there's a lot of physicality to it that's that's quite funny. And then the way that it ends with Paul Simon's like sweet song, but it ends with Dave having sex with an angel and and finishing, and it's just like, good lord, guys. Um, and uh, the Carol one was another one I wanted to shout out. Uh, there's a lot of great moments and, and good use of uh, of song drops, like that Riders on the Storm drop when the guy is just being mercilessly beaten in the face. It's just so it's so weird and uh, and funny in the most violent way. Uh, but yeah, I, I really want to rewatch this because now that I feel like I've I've you know seen uh, the uh, the footing a little bit of what they do. I, I want to kind of just throw myself into it because I was looking at it a bit with like a critic mind at first, and as the shorts went on, I was able to you know get rid of that. But I would like to rewatch it with just a full on make me laugh. Here we go. So yeah, I'm gonna give it a four. Uh, this was hilarious. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I think that that will wrap it up for this week's episode that was female trouble 1974 and the stella shorts from 1998 to 2002 uh cj thanks so much for bringing these films on with yeah. you uh this is the part of the show where if you've got anything to plug you can do it here uh i guess you can <laughs> i mean like i i guess you could you follow me on twitter it's cj underscore p-r-i-n um every once in a while i do a podcast called that dmx feeling in which you watch films to see if they have that dmx feeling <laughs> it's it's with uh ethan vespi and uh randy who does not have twitter but um yeah that one that one you know it, it's 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 really fun it's it's i think if you don't know what that dmx feeling is you have to obviously listen to it to kind of get a sense as to what it is but it's a very specific <laughs> energy to, to films that uh that i think there should be more of but yeah, I'd say just that, and you know, I mean, uh, I would uh, to plug things with. I would also say if you're a fan of any of this, like if you're a fan of the Stella type stuff, if you can watch it, uh, if you can't watch it, I would say just just get in touch with me. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like <laughs> that, I mean, that was I, how I, we I, watched I, it. Yeah, so. that's how we. Got yeah, it. I mean, like it's it's kind of hard. It's it's like impossible. You can't get a hold of this thing uh, uh, through proper means. Some of them are on YouTube and Vimeo and stuff. But um, and I also recommend just check out more like shows that these guys have done like children's hospital which i'm actually going through right now which david wayne's involved in and it has the kind of the same energy and a lot of the same cast and check out the stella show um wet hot american summer obviously you know like these are so many i mean i really love david wayne and, and show walter and uh those two especially are really like just kind of comic geniuses to me so um yeah, I guess that's it for yeah, plugs. It really made me want to go back <laughs> nice. and do Wet Hot American Summer and the show again because you've seen the show, right? The Netflix show. Oh yeah. yeah, not all of it. Oh, uh, you should. Oh watch the yeah, show. I gotta. I'm going to now. Now that I uh, so watch this. Well, because well, Michael Showalter's like well, obviously one of the main guys on yeah. that thing too. So. All right. Well, uh, that will wrap it up for this week. We're in one week's time, uh, for you guys, patrons, we are going to be back doing a big one. Yes. Uh, Godzilla. Godzilla. Gojira, 1954 is going to so be stoked. the big one. And we're also going to be taking on two of the sequels, though, just in time for the new Godzilla film, King of the Monsters. We're going to do Godzilla versus Mothra from 1964 and also Ghidorah 
three-headed dragon from 1964, the uh, first official sort of like monster team-up film. Yeah, uh, which I was genuinely <laughs> beat, shocked. Beat you to it, Avengers. Yeah, well, yeah, I <laughs> was genuinely. I stole shocked. that from. I stole that from Josh. Yeah, I, I was like, this actually follows the same narrative trajectory of the Avengers movies, uh, and I was oh. like, wow. So Marvel didn't even come up with that. No, the, even like wow, the, cross the one thing everyone gives them credit for. Even the cross-cutting stuff at all. Godzilla that. and Mothra and yeah. Rodan, the originals. Um, so that's what oh, we're going to be talking about. Uh, again, patreon.com slash podcast for everyone over there. That'll be your bonus episode next week. But in two weeks' time, we're going to be back with a uh, special guest, uh, host of the Body Double Pod, Nate Fisher, is coming on, and he is bringing with him uh, the film Cobra. Oh, one we've been sweet. wanting to get to for a while Absolutely. with uh, Sylvester Stallone from 1986 and also directed by George P. Uh, Cos- Cosmatos or Cosmatos, uh, the the father of the filmmaker behind uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow and Mandy. So oh, baby. That's what we're going to be talking about alongside the film Cop. Oh. <laughs> which uh, I believe I 1988 and starring James Woods is considered sort Hell of yeah. like one of the most uh, like proto cop fascist uh, crazy violent Hollywood films. So Stoked. that is going to be the year free episode in two weeks time. Uh, I think that will That'll be fun. I think that's a good place to leave it. Uh, thanks as always for listening and keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy.